we find all these edges where we can feel those feelings that football is another example the whole concept is you're breaking through into you know the other side of the threshold and so many of us as men live our entire lives either consumed searching for that feeling or avoiding that feeling and numbing out watching other men do it right so rite of passage is really about creating an intentional space where men could find out what being king of their own lives looks like What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Mask Unity Podcast. This is a K to represent the masks we wear as men in this world, and we're here to help each and individual men unmask themselves through conversation. I'm your co-host, CK, a.k.a. Coach Kyle. What's going on, my people? It's your boy Anwar Ahmed, a.k.a. A-squared. And today, uh, to help us shed those masks a little bit more, we've brought on two incredible men who are doing incredible work in the world. We have Voy and Jose here with us today. Voy is a men's coach. He's focused on men's health and well-being. He helps guide men to inner freedom so they can live a life without limits. And he also includes a trauma-informed somatic approach and is a co-founder of Modern Renaissance Man, who he partners with, who we also have called Jose. He is uh, the co-founder of Modern Renaissance Man as well. He is a life, men's life coach, leadership guide, empowering impact-driven men to embody their truth, to live their vision, and to increase impact. They are here, and we are excited to have you guys. Thanks for being here with us. Thank you for having us. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Yeah. So before we get to the discussion, listen, as your listener, you know what time it is. We always start with one specific thing, and sometimes we like to throw our guests in the fire a little bit. So before we get into the conversation, it's mood check. Yo, yo, yo. What's going on, people? Welcome to the room. Welcome to the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I'm excited to have you guys both on. Uh, we wanted to first and foremost get to get to understand how you're feeling today. I'll start with you, Jose. How are you feeling today, my man? I'm feeling grounded. Uh, I'm also feeling um, aware, aware, just aware of certain things and that I'm moving through, certain patterns that I've identified, and it feels good to be grounded and aware at the same time. Okay. Powerful. Like fantastic. That. Just like aware. That. This is why we brought them on. We can just end the conversation now. You know they're incredible people. Listen, that was, <laughs> that was great. Aware. How are you feeling? I'm feeling aware. I'm here for this. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> Boy, I'm sorry. You got a lot to follow up now. What's uh what's your mood feeling like today, my man? Yeah, man. I'm checking in right now with my body with what's true to me. I feel uh inspired. I feel deeply joyful. And it's just a whole lot of gratitude right now. Hmm. This wave. Beautiful. I love that. And something that we don't actually attest much to yet with our mood checks is what you started there was, let me check in with my body. I love that. Let me check in. Mm -hmm. How's the body feel? What's, we use the word sensations sometimes in, to try to get in there, but just to directly correlate ourselves to our body. I love that you did that. So I appreciate that uh, perspective addition. Anwar, what's your mood check? 
you know what, piggybacking off of um, Voy here and going through the sensations, I'm going to give it one word. I'm just excited, man. It just feels like excitement in my body right now. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to get to know you guys. I think for me, a big part of my personality is meeting new people and, you know, understanding, you know, what they think about, how they think about it. So, you know, um, hence, you know, the passion for a podcast. But I just think that it's such a cool experience to always, um, always be curious, always be learning. And I think that, you know, what I've watched from afar from you two um, has been very, very intriguing. So I'm excited to kind of get into today's conversation. And um, yeah, just excited, excited. And uh, I'll say I'd say I'm grateful that you guys are willing to get, take your time, take time of your day, take time out of your busy schedules to be here with us. We never take that for granted. So yeah, grateful for the fact that you guys are even on the show. So that's how I feel. CK, wrap Perfect. it up. Bring us around third base. Let's do it. What do you got? Mood check, home run time. What's my mood? I feel my current mood is excited. I mimic the excitement. The body feels excited. Uh, I also have had a great morning. So I'm kind of feeling on top of the world a little bit. I definitely feel like it's been a great day. It's shaping up to be an incredible day. I have so much coming still later in the day, which is just so exciting always to have something to look forward to. Uh, and I just feel very comfortable in this space. This is why we have these two on. I feel very comfortable in this space and I feel like I know them without knowing them. So I'm excited to actually logically uh, become aware of more about who you guys are. Uh, energetically, it's aligning. So I'm I'm really amped up to have this discussion there's a lot of stuff in here I've, I've been very passionate about learning about so i'm happy to hear it straight from the voices and that's a mood check if you're listening make sure you check in with it with your moods what's your mood in this moment what's the body sensations what's happening in your world that's why we do this so thank you guys for entertaining us with that experience and now on to the episode so Today, as we mentioned, we brought on Voy and Jose to have a discussion around all of the work that they do. What called us to them originally was some of their videos that they share on social media around men's rites of passage, what men's rite of passage and them facilitating those kinds of experiences. It caught my eye a while ago. I remember following you guys and discovering you just simply by going through the men's space online. So you're very accessible in case you didn't know that. And I was highly intrigued specifically around the four day, I think it's the four day retreat, the four day fast uh, in the woods. I thought that was incredibly intriguing to know more about, which I'm hoping we're getting a little information about that today. And, you know, you just seem like pretty stand up guys. You seem like you care a lot and that you value the space that you're in. And so we really want to help dissect some of the work that you're doing, share your message and B biggest importance is really getting into the why. So Anwar, you want to take out the first question to pop into these guys' why? Yeah, so I think that you kind of wanted to set it off with a little bit more of an icebreaker, a question that kind of, you know, gets the gets the, gets the the brain going. Um, I'm going to ask you, Boy, first, if you were to consider, let's, let's consider you a car. Um, if you're a car, I want to know what's the engine that fuels that vehicle? Like what gets you out of bed every single day? Like what is the thing that makes you go? Um, I guess I'll ask you both that same question, but I'll start with you, Voy. What is, what is the engine to your vehicle? I guess you could start with a nice cup of coffee. That, that always gets you rocking and rolling. 
but beautiful question, man. A really powerful question and a lot of depth in that. And really what keeps driving me is the sensation going back to the feeling that I first experienced when I got into the men's workspace and experiencing really true deep brotherhood. So every time I wake up, I get driven by this vision that I have, my own personal vision, and also the vision that me and Jose to work on together and bring to life. And I think the most powerful thing when I was reflecting back on this is, like I said, the sensations and also seeing men receive like a breakthrough or seeing men step into some deeper truth money just can't there's nothing in the world that can give me that experience it's one of the most powerful things and you know we've done it quite a few times so the body remembers it now so it's a lot it's a lot smoother to wake up in the morning and get it rocking and so for me it's the the support that the men received that i first received when i got into the space just amplifying that that's uh that's that's beautiful man i think that um i'm going to send it to jose right away but i wanted to to echo the the fact that you said that the body remembers the sensation the body remembers the feeling i think that that was almost an underrated sentence in itself right i think a lot of times when we're trying to achieve something we don't know what it feels like we don't know what we're going after we don't know what we're looking for and then once you kind of feel it it's almost like a drug right you kind of want to get more and more and more and it kind of pulls you into a uh into a into a world um, and in a lifestyle that's uh, sometimes over overpowering in a great way. So I love that you said that. It's a, just a good reminder um, that once the body kind of feels it, you have a better idea of what it what it actually means to you. Um, Jose, what's what about you, man? What's that? What's the engine? Yeah, uh, I love this question, and I love how it's framed as a you know it's just a beautiful analogy. What's the engine in it? Uh, for me, um, it's. It's, it's a vision. Um, I remember just like throughout all the steps on the journey, there's times or in all the stages, there's these moments where I feel like this rush of energy and inspiration and I can't sleep. Um, it, it feels like something is, something is coming through that's much bigger than me. And then the, the feeling that comes after that is you know uh, we're not right after that but after all the other feelings that come with actually bringing it to life and the and the not all great feelings that are associated with that when it actually does come to life there's almost like this um just this beautiful uh just feeling of gratitude watching others benefit from the thing that i was initially excited by um, so going back to tying it back to a voice said, like when I, f- I feel a vision and I feel it deeply, like this intuitive hit, that this is something that needs to be created or brought to life. And I actually move towards it beyond, beyond my fears and then prove to myself and those fears that this was something that was meant to be brought into the world and someone benefited from it. That's like my engine. It's just like, there's shit that I've created that maybe I thought um, was going to impact, you know, X amount of people in in X certain way. And it doesn't turn out that way, but just one man, you know, speaking directly to our work, one man that benefits from it. It's like, fuck, I can't not do this. I got to go do it and show up and do it. That's always my um, motivator because I think about all the, all the moments and the things that have inspired me. And if that person didn't wake up and do that 
and allow that engine to rev and do their thing, even if I'm the only one that listened to or benefited from it, then where would I be today? So that's usually the reminder I always got to come back to. That's a... I just, I don't know if either of you guys have read The Alchemist. Have you guys read The Alchemist? His voice favorite book. <laughs> yeah, man, that, that whole, the, the way you kind of described your engine just really, you know, resonates with me after just recently reading that book of just, you know, not giving up on that omen, not giving up on that, uh, you know, listening to your heart and following it. I think it's, you know, the world is very intimidating sometimes and it'll, it kind of, makes you almost not want to trust that, you know, settle, not let the vision come to life, you know, and then you, you, you spoke about like the hard work it takes for the vision to come to life, believing in the vision. Um, but you know, the fact that you're grounded and your engine is the fact that you love your vision and, and, and you have the awareness to understand that the power of one is more important than the power of thousands or hundreds. You understand like, you know, community or, you know, you understand self partner community, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger. That's, that's cool, man. That's, 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 that's amazing. So I love that. That's your engine. I think that I've never, I never, I haven't really fully decided. Like, I think I know my answer, but you just helped me better answer my own question in that regard. Cause I, I aligned with that, like that really resonates with me too. So, um, let's go back to, uh, let's take it back because before you guys were, you know, this lengthy bio that you write now and these people on social media, you know, before you guys were those people, you were just Voy and Jose, right? You guys were just two guys before you even met. Um, what would you say is like the origin story? Um, if you can kind of give us a little bit of an insight on your background on who were you guys before you were the, the, the people that we see in social media today? Yeah, um, great question. Uh, we're still Voy and Jose. <laughs> so definitely... Uh, we got to remind ourselves of that, you know, time and time again. And then powerful questions like what you just asked, the origin story. Yeah, I mean, you know, in hearing that question, what comes up is like, yeah, there's a lengthy bio. And uh, at the end of the day, like, why did we start this shit? Why, did, why is that bio the way it is today? And it's because we needed it. We were just Jose and Voy and just, and, and we still, we still, um, Everything that's in that bio is just stuff that we got to go back to time and time again as resources and tools to help us continue being the true version of ourselves. And that really is my origin story. Um, you know, high level, uh, just throughout my journey, I negotiated my, my truth for the sake of uh, preserving relationships, preserving the safety and the and the peace in my preserving the peace in my my household and um, you know not getting my mom upset um, or or you know my father angry because I got my mom upset like all these moments I can think of throughout specifically my teenage years where I just negotiated my truth compromised my truth for the sake of preserving the peace and for the sake of preserving you know, just the things that I felt like I needed. That went into my 20s, you know, preserving uh, or, or negotiating my truth for the sake of a raise, negotiating my truth for the sake of my job, negotiating my truth for the sake of, um, you know, uh, uh, a, a bonus, for the sake of a car, for the sake of, uh, you know, other relationships that I thought I needed to create, cultivate, maintain, throughout my 20s in order to, you know, create the life I wanted to live. Um, 
long story short, my parents divorced three times throughout my journey uh, up to when I moved out of my house. And that third time literally came six months, four months after moving out. So the first time was when I was five. So when I moved out and I saw that happen, you know, my parents didn't have the tools that they have today. And, and you know, they, they didn't have the blessing uh, that I've had to have those tools at such a young age. Um, but at that time, you know, uh, that five-year-old version of me just came to the surface and started, like, feeling like it's my fault that they separated. It's my fault that they were together. It's my fault that they're not happy. All these things that I didn't understand. And this was five years after having a bachelor's in psychology. So I understood it conceptually, but I hadn't actually processed those emotions and had been with those things um, uh, myself in my body. You know, like you got, we all, che- you guys all checked in with like checking in with your body. It was like, I understood why I'm feeling this way, but I don't understand why I don't want to feel this way and I'm still feeling this way. Um, when I'm speaking to my partner or in conflict or etc you know um, I didn't feel fulfilled at work all these things just came to the surface it wasn't like they weren't there they just fucking like that catalyst just brought them all up and all the holes and, and gaps in my relationship got amplified um, the fact that I started my business but I hadn't fully transitioned out of corporate I was feeling shame around that um, so all of this just led me to finally working with a therapist Um, really diving deep into all of that. That got me into, uh, you know, uh, reading some books about masculinity. And then from there, that just went to a rabbit hole of of men's groups and uh, meeting voice, starting a men's group at my house, uh, and all of the things that came after that that are now a bio. Uh, But really, at the core, it came from me not owning my power, not expressing my truth, and um, feeling like leadership and impact was what, you know, society uh, made me believe that it was. So just the journey of peeling back those layers and embodying my truth and living my own vision rather than not believing it was powerful. Can't tell you how many times throughout my journey up to these moments I've had visions and that feeling I described earlier of that engine and I was like, no, 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 I'm not worthy of that vision. No, 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 I'm not strong enough to create it. No, 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 I can't do that because then I won't be safe and I'll lose my job. So I decided to say fuck it to all that and look for spaces that could help me um, grow and do the opposite. And that's where I met Voy. So I'll leave it at that part of the story. <laughs> and uh, we'll love to hear Voy's origin story as well. I love that. And you speak to your bio right there. The first thing you say is guiding impact driven men to embody their truth, right? Like that just is such a beautiful representation of how you've ensured that that still matches your journey, the biggest parts of it, and really what stands out to you as the, one of the more fundamental, if not the fundamental decision you made to start doing. So I honor your integrity there. It's powerful. So thank you for sharing. Thank you for asking. Absolutely. Uh, and now that, like you said, leads to the partnership a little bit. But uh, Avoy, why don't you give us a little bit more background into your beginnings before Modern Renaissance, before even Jose. I don't even know if you guys knew each other before that. Did you? Yeah, we, we knew each other a little bit. And to that point, I always love being on these conversations with my brother Jose because I feel like 
as much as I know this man, I still get to know him a little bit better each and every single time. And that's what makes a relationship super really exciting. So good to hear that, bro. Good to hear that. As for me, man, I, I'll start that I grew up in a village, in a village of just five homes. And the reason why I bring that up is we were people on the land living with the land. There was a lot of grit, a lot of hustle, a lot of grind, a lot of survival energy. And there wasn't space to drop in and process and conversation or be in a place of awareness to feel and experience what might be preventing us from freedom. And as my sister was killed in an accident, my father didn't know how to process that, didn't have the tools that we did. So he started to internalize everything. And the pain was getting so strong with him that he was like, well, there has to be a way out. So one of his homies gave him a drink, started drinking, and that became a habit and a path. Long story short, my mom was trying to hold out the whole fort, the family. So what she decided to do was just pack our bags one night and just leave for the United States. And that's what we did. Within 24 hours in a completely, con in a completely different country, which made me feel like I didn't fit in because I'm here, this guy from a village coming into America, I don't fit in. Now, when I go back to Poland, I don't fit in. So I just didn't know who I was. And I felt like I was trapped in my own body because I didn't know how to express it. So as I kept going into the journey, my form of freedom expression was creativity, art, constantly designing things, constantly creating things and putting it out into the world. And when I looked at art, I also saw fitness as that. And I didn't know how to express my voice. I didn't know how to really speak my truth, as Jose said. So I was like, you know, fuck it. Let me get into bodybuilding, build my body up so I can be seen. And body be bodybuilding became the foundation, honestly, for my life. I've gotten a lot of great things from it, from learning how to be disciplined, how to communicate better, and just how to be more confident man long story short from fitness i started working on my body and i was like well i gotta work on this thing because the anxiety is through the fucking roof i mean panic attacks i would sit in school and they were calling my name it felt like a brick just got stuck in my throat my body would go into like this freeze mode and i'd just be stuck sometimes honestly i would just leave the room I'm like holy shit like this isn't this isn't healthy so i went to the doctor and he's like listen buddy your shit is through the roof. So we're going to give you this medication and good luck. And something didn't feel right. So I started looking elsewhere. And the first thing that I came across was meditation and breath work and started to apply natural ways and ancient ways of really finding freedom within my body so I can express myself, so I can step deeper into my truth and really be at home with who I am. And I feel like because I got into that kind of personal development space, I started to attract like-minded individuals. And as I got into that, I got into corporate and I was working at a cybersecurity company. And when, while I was there, one of, the, one of the intentions I set coming fresh out of college was to meet everybody because I wanted to really get out of my shit and step up. And so I did. And there was one man that I saw there that I was like, man, something about this guy that like, I don't know, it's not clicking. He's dressed well, fresh, well-kept, has a great cadence to him, really dope guy. And that same day, I saw a quote from Abraham Lincoln and it said, 
I don't like this man. I must get to know him. And I was like, okay, maybe this is like spirit taking the wheel and I got to lean in. Felt a discomfort, but why not? That next day, I walk into the kitchen. And in this kitchen, I see this man walk in and he's grabbing a coffee. And I'm like, all right, well, no better day than now. So I drop in and I say, what's up? And he says, what's up? Long story short, he invited me to a book club. Long story short, that man sitting here today is Jose Alejandro. And since that moment, we put our visions together to bring this special gift we want to share with you today, which is modern renaissance. Love that story, bro. <laughs> Listen, you know, I, I hope in some way, shape, or form we clip that whole experience out because, like, we're like, I'm leaning in, Anwar's leaning in. Like, this guy knows he's about to drop actual flames on this podcast. He knows he's already prepped for it. And we're all like on the edge of our seat. That was well said. And let me tell you, you're definitely a master storyteller in that way, uh, hiding the, the cheeky. And I was hoping this whole time, I was like, tell me it's Jose. Tell me it's Jose. Please tell me it's Jose. <laughs> Uh, and I, and I, I can't say enough how powerful that quote is. And I think it just needs to hold more space. Um, I'd appreciate it if you could share one more time for the audience. Yeah, absolutely. Man. Well, thank you for that reflection, brother. Thank you for the piece on storytelling. It's something I definitely been working on. So to hear that reflection, I'm receiving that, bro. And I'm offering myself this celebration. So thank you. As for the quote, Abraham Lincoln don't quote me word for word. High level. I don't like this man. I must get to know him better. So something that Anwar and I both deeply value in our lives is personal development. And not just talking the talk, but also walking the walk, which is one of the fundamental reasons why we created this podcast is to support you in having the tough conversations and then feeling confident and safe to take new action with this new knowledge. So what we've decided to do to support you in this is we've partnered with Men's League, a men's mental health platform whose biggest focus is to make a systemic shift in how we view what being a man is and what masculinity entails. Their mission is to provide a diverse group of like-minded men with a support system surrounding their mental health, their physical health, their financial aptitude, and their personal relationships. Men's League is a space where you commit to improving yourself. You commit to improving your mental health and becoming a better man. So what does Men's League offer? Well, let's get into it. First and foremost, they're a private community for men, which includes a chat forum and also monthly Zoom calls where you come together, discuss a topic, and you just partake in conversation with other men. I've taken part in so many of those. They're one of my favorite things. Mental health check-ins. So this is huge. This is unlimited 45-minute sessions with mental health professionals. Incredible. You always have that help at your access. Discounted one-on-one -on -one and group coaching services, a whole mental health resource library to help you manage your day-to-day -day and real-life issues, exclusive membership offers. This is cool. They have discounts for men's clothing and health products. And this is my personal favorite part because I've partaken in it a lot, is professionally made online self-development courses that you can take at your own pace. They're always available to you and they'll help you with your relationships, your physical health, and your financial aptitude. So if you're looking to get involved, we in Men's League are excited to offer you a 50% off of your first year membership. To do, to join the league, go ahead and click that link in the bio or go to mensleague.com. And don't forget to enter a promo code MODERNMASK50 
and get access to everything they have to offer. Men, we see you, we hear you, and we are standing tall beside you in this arena of misunderstood masculinity. We'll see you back in the episode. Well, thank you guys for sharing your story. I really appreciate it and for giving us a little bit of context uh, in the audience context, a little bit more of who you guys are and what brought you together. I think that was definitely a question I had, which is how did these guys find each other? I'm always fascinated to hear about the journey of union uh, into spaces like this and to specifically around what I brought up earlier, which is uh, modern Renaissance man. And I remember when I first came across this specific phrasing, modern Renaissance man, I said to myself, what does renaissance mean? I sat there for a second like, wait, I really like how it sounds, but I'm not exactly sure what it means. So I've learned about it since, but for those that are coming across that space initially, uh, do one of you mind giving us a little bit more context as to what exactly you guys created in regards to uh, MRM, if you will? Yeah, I'll drop in. Um yeah, really, this picks up where Voy where Voy left off there when we connected. Um, I had already explored different men's groups uh, by that time. Uh, there was definitely this fear, this doubt that I uh, around like bringing it to men that I hung out with. You know, bringing it to modern men. It was like, okay, most of the men's groups I've been going to are kind of like for guys that hit rock bottom or they're having conversations that, you know, I didn't really resonate like, resonate with. There were definitely areas of my life that, um, that I healed through, that, through those uh, spaces. But there was a part of me that felt like, you know, I'm at, even, though, even though I'm stopping short on my vision, I'm not fully embodying my truth and maybe, you know, I'm making money in a way that isn't fulfilling, I feel, I feel pretty dope. You know, I feel like a guy that 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 is that connects with people, that dresses well, that you know experiences life in in a way that I'm I'm actually, you know, uh, excited about integrating along with the healing that I am going on and and incorporating, and that that you know brought up this inspiration to start doing uh, men's groups with guys. You know, I called it a book club because it was like, okay, what books am I reading to level up? You know, guys, guys who have good jobs, who like are are interested in leveling up and already are ambitious and purpose driven. They probably want to read these books too. So that was my way of like seeing if I could connect with men and then bring some layers of the other shit that I was learning from you know from men's groups. And I think the name came a, a bit later, but Renaissance was the Renaissance era. I've always been obsessed with the Renaissance era, uh, and just the thought that people were willing to risk their lives, you know, at that time with the Catholic Church prosecuting anybody who questioned religion. Right? Like, we're willing to, to risk their lives to bring art, to bring like all these different things into the space that literally shifted our history and the way we look at the world. And I was thinking like, yo, this is, uh, I didn't understand it now. I mean, Voy and I talk about paradigm, the word paradigm a lot now, but you know, there was already some conversation around paradigm of masculinity. And I'm like, well, we're like the modern Renaissance men, you know? And that at first, I remember just testing that word out and I created this like document that explained what a modern Renaissance man is. I don't, I can't find that doc, 
But that that was back in like 2018. I remember sending it to Voy. He was like, yo, modern renaissance, man, bro. And there was just like this light in our eyes. We just fucking lit about it. Um, but for me, it's it's it really just represents, and I know for Voy as well, because we've redefined that word and kind of really, not redefined, we've added more depth to it. Um, that then you know what I could have imagined when I, when we first thought of that 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 name, but at the core it's really just a new paradigm of of man, a new paradigm of man that I think for some, for many, similar to I won't say like we're we're not getting prosecute persecuted like the Catholic Church, but I will say that people are afraid of new things. You know, so right now we're bringing this new version of what, a man, what it looks like to be a man. And I'll let Voy explain that a little bit deeper because I know he, he does so, so beautifully. But like, really, that's what it is. We're just redefining what being a man is. And it's just another Renaissance era. We get to claim that paradigm and create it for ourselves. And the last piece I'll say is that for me, Renaissance meant... For me, Renaissance meant um, a man who's who values and is interested in different things. You know, like I was, I was curious about mindfulness, but I was also into style. And I was like, yo, there's n- I haven't seen too many stylish guys in these men's groups, right? Like, I want to be into style and also be able to go to the therapist. You know, so that was really my thought, just like bringing different things together and not being um, pigeon-held to one thing because I was experiencing that throughout my childhood a lot. I was too hood for the white kids and too white for the hood. You know, it was like this weird feeling and I was too Puerto Rican for people in the States and I was no longer Puerto Rican when I would come visit Puerto Rico. So it was just like, nah, I'm a Renaissance man and I just like different shit. And uh, boy, I could feel it from the start. He just exuded that same kind of energy as well. That's huge. And boy, we're definitely excited to hear a little bit more about your take on it. I want to just touch on one thing in there is that I relate so hard to the idea that I need to be like one specific avenue. Right? Like you said, like mindfulness versus style. I have found that on the journey of trying to figure out what it means to be a man in this modern world that I have tried my best to almost fit into many of the specific categories and try them out and see what works. But with it comes a lot of restriction and in, in meshing some of them, like bridging the gap from one to another hasn't necessarily felt um, like it's not like it's not okay, but it's not commonly found. Like you said, the mindfulness and meditation and even you can go as far as saying spiritual, like the style side of that isn't there. So then you have to give up that side. You have to give up the care about that almost in order to be in this camp. And then if you want to be on that camp, then you also are not practicing mindfulness because you're too busy worrying about style. And it's the tough guy and the nice guy. And what's the the balance of it all? Like there's so many narratives out there that I think that you kind of sneakily attested to is that your journey was a struggle between what does it all mean and can I just be all of it? Is that okay? And to tie that around to, to Renaissance, I think was was huge. So I just needed to, to tie all that loop on there. Uh, and Voy, give us a little bit more about what that means to you. Yeah, beautifully said, brother. And Kyle, I love how you brought your hands up and you went from this side to this side. 
Because when we look at modern Renaissance man, modern Renaissance man is the bridge. We get to put everything together and combine it and become one. Right. And as we take these two sides and come together, there's this almost sense of rebirth. And that's what Renaissance also means underneath is this rebirth right, of this new individual stepping into where we are today. So what I love that Jose said beautifully about this new paradigm is the way I like to see it also is modern Renaissance man is almost like a Swiss army knife, right? It's great in every situation. And there's a tool for whatever situation that you need. So when we look at a man and how we step into this new evolution and we usher this new paradigm in, we think about the integration, the mind, the body, the soul, and a little bit of that style, which can be seen as self-expression. Right? It doesn't necessarily have to be closed. Your style is just your soul expressing its authentic self. Right? So when we look at, at least for me, as the modern Renaissance man, it's this beautiful encompass of what it means to be this new generation. And I think for me, one of the things that Jose really spoke to beautifully is that I love this kind of work when I first came across it. However, my own projections of it and fears of it deeply of like meditation and breath work was like, okay, if I start meditating, then I'm going to have to wear a robe and shave my head and be a monk, right? There was just this constant fear. If I tell people that I'm meditating, they're probably going to think I'm too spiritual and I just stay up here at time. So there's always this fear into stepping into it more. And once modern renaissance came about, it kind of became the bridge to walk in there lightly, test things out and see what really feels good for me without the feeling of judgment, because I'm just here to explore my truth and I need a powerful space to hold me in that so I can get closer to it. And that's where brotherhood was born. So in a high level, that's what modern Renaissance man speaks to. Well, already Jose said, because he laid it out perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, I think that not only did Jose, you know, deliver such a a full course meal, I feel like the sides you just added to it, boy, there were just like, just took it to the next level. You know, you just added such a... Let's eat, bro. Let's, let's eat. Just let's a heads eat, up. Man. He's the king of metaphors, and he's not done a basketball one yet, but he's coming for you. So I just give you the heads up now. He's a master <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> Let's see if we connect basketball with rites of passages by the end of this call. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Um, I wanted to go back to the concept that we both have the word modern in our names. And I think I feel like there's a there's an interesting interplay there. Right. And I think that, you know, even when you were describing it there, we've been having this conversation about the complexity of navigating multiple different things that feel true. Right. In a world that if you're not this, you're that. If you're not that, you're this, right? And in that complexity, I think is where we both kind of resonate with this word modern. Like, let's modernize it, right? Like, it, let's accept that it is complicated and it's not black and white. It's not this or that, right? And you, what, you re, what we've realized, and I'm sure you guys are, you know, coming to the same um, realizations, is that when you go about taking something that feels black and white and, and adding it with color, we don't know what to do with the color, Right. There's no tools on. We don't know what does green look like. We only know black and white. Like what is green? What is blue? What is red? And I feel like what you guys invite is this idea of not only, hey, is there this many colors? This is how to embrace these colors in ways that, you know, to voice point, 
here's a solid foundation. Here's the power. We'll give you, we're empowering you to explore red or green or whatever it is you are authentically trying to figure out. And so what I love is that both of us have decided to use the word modern in our words. To me, what I hear is we're trying to take things that are black and white and add color and add more expression. But in that, there needs to be some guidance, right? It's this, instead of a blanket statement of you should be more vulnerable, you know, or we have an episode coming up soon that's you should hold space. Like, what does that mean? Sure, that's more color. Like, but what does that actually mean? How do I navigate that? And I think that what our platform is trying to do and what you guys are trying to do is support the ability to take on the color and actually feel like I'm aligned with green. Green is my guy or I'm aligned with, you know, blue. Um, I want to tie that into a, a post that I just saw on Voice page. As you get older, brotherhood sounds better than lone wolf. As you get older, brotherhood sounds better than lone wolf. When I hear that, man, I just, this is where the the rite of passage and everything resonates with me because it's this feeling that there's an arena that's created that's supporting you in this journey through something. You know what I mean? Like, I think the lone wolf mentality is the confusion that we all sit in. Like, when is it the time for me? When do, When am I a man? When am I, you know, where the brotherhood has this like invitation to, hey, come do this. This is how it feels. Getting familiar with the idea of, you know, what that feels in the body and, and what it's doing for you. Let's get into the rite, the rite of passage. Um, high level, can you please help explain people that, you know, to the point Voy made earlier, when you say you meditate, there's a bunch of people that just want to leave the room and go, oh, you're too spiritual, right? Uh, I know that there's probably a lot of people who are like, rite of passage, what the hell is going on? We posted actually a video on IG of Shia LaBeouf talking about this exact same thing. Like when is the, like there is nothing in North America that's like, this is the time, right? In the best way that you can, what is like Lehman's terms, what this means? And then let's get into the, the nitty gritty of it um, in, a, in, a, in a more deep way because I know me and Kyle are both wildly interested. Cool. Yeah, man. Beautiful, beautiful segment. And I love how you brought in the rest of the message and, Without a doubt, I will hardly agree. I believe we're at a, a threshold in this journey, in this modern day age, where we're stepping into this next evolution of what it feels like to be really supported and in community and build together this next phase of Earth. And for me, quite frankly, even though I went through a lot of experiences in my life where you can say I was quote unquote initiated, whether it was through college, initiated into certain roles, initiated into relationships. I never had an actual intentional space that helped me step into manhood and what my truth is and what freedom really feels like for me. It almost felt like I was wandering a little bit through the world without really having direct. And I know there's a lot of men walking, feeling like a boy inside because they never had that kind of experience to help them step into a community, a brotherhood that's initiated, who understand him, who see him, who feel him, and can support him with his vision from a place of understanding. So when I look at a rites of passage, it's a ceremonial experience that really marks a symbolic death and rebirth of an individual's life. Right? It's like the, the start of a new chapter. And typically, 
when performed, it usually involves some kind of discomfort so that we can come back to face ourselves and ultimately find our truth. And there's no better way, in my opinion, I think at least, to do it in nature because nature is the ultimate mirror. And that's something that we bring forth with our rites of passage, making sure we have the element of wilderness and nature to support men to find their truth and become initiated into the next evolution of their leadership and their life. So I'll stop that there and pass it. I'll leave it to my brother, Jose, because I know he's on the edge with this one. He's excited to drop some bombs. So I'm going to pass it to you, bro, using the basketball analogy. And then throw that shit back so we can keep it rocking, bro. I, I definitely uh, thank you for that breakdown, boy, for offering that to the space. Um, definitely was at the edge of my seat with this conversation. And uh, just like I was at the edge of my seat watching Lion King over and over again when I was three years old, right? Same way I was at the edge of my seat watching 300 when the boy went out and uh, fought that wolf. Same time, same way I was at the edge of my seat watching movies like Gladiator, you know, watching movies that put a man through the test um, and came back stronger, right? I mean, I'm, I'm actually curious, Kyle and Anwar, how did you guys feel, using two words, if you have watched the movie, 300 how did you feel when you watched that part uh, a word just screamed at me in my head um, was invigorated and equally as intimidated right Anwar? i haven't watched the movie but um lion king is definitely like the movie i anchor a lot of my uh my life too and uh, it's, it's definitely been a model of kind of you know how i've lived my life and so for me you know simba leaving and coming back to pride rock was always a sense of um pride i would say is a word um pun intended <laughs> <laughs> pride rock baby i love that <laughs> and um fear right Notice how you guys said, like, invigorated, intimidated, pride, and fear, right? That, the fact that you felt that, I think all of us as men have felt that but don't know what it is or haven't necessarily explored that feeling, that is a threshold, right? There's, like, this feeling I know what I felt when I first watched Lion King. Even every time I watched it and would rewind the, the VHS and the rewinder and watch it over again maybe three times in one day, there was a moment where Simba would come back and there was this fear or this anxiety or this like this uh, thought like what if what if he loses to Scar right but the only way he can become king and actually um, uh, uh, claim you know uh, to be king of Pride Rock is to go through that challenge and then after there's this feeling of just invigorating like I claimed my power right I, I use that as the best way to describe what a rite of passage is because oftentimes, like you guys said, we could easily say rite of passage, you know, that's like, that's like uh, the thing that, you know, uh, they did in, we, we like disassociate from it. But the reality is like since I was a kid, I've felt that and then I projected that feeling into every single thing in my life, especially teenage years, that would help me feel invigorated and also um, intimidated or prideful and also fearful. It's like it almost they almost always came together whenever I found that edge. And I think most of the time as men, 
we end up looking for that edge ourselves. We create that edge and we create it in the amount of women we sleep with. The, um, you know, for me, it was race car driving of between 17 and 20 and getting in dangerous like situations. Um, uh, you know, we find all these edges where we can feel those feelings that football is another example. The whole concept is you're breaking through into the, you know, the other side of the threshold. And so many of us as men live our entire lives either consumed searching for that feeling or avoiding that feeling and numbing out watching other men do it, right? So Rite of Passage is really about creating an intentional space where men could find out what being king of their own lives looks like. You know, I posted something the other day that we are so often trying to be king of the jungle based on society's expectations that we don't actually become king of our own lives. We don't become Simba after he defeats Scar because we're so busy thinking that, you know, maybe we have shame because we think that something's our fault. Like Simba carried the shame of his father's death, right? Scar himself is a reflection of an uninitiated man. Why did he kill his own brother? Well, because he had some feelings of insecurity throughout his life and he was so focused on being king of the jungle that his brother was meant to get that he wasn't focused on how he could be king of his own life and that made him the villain so just sharing that for men to really think about like that's what right passage is going back to everything that boy said it's creating an opportunity to reveal our truth and also understand what we're made of and then do so in a way that allows us to um, you know, understand how we could apply that in our own lives. If we want to be the best father we can be, then we saw what we were made of, right? We were invigorated and also willing to meet that fear. If we want to create a business that impacts others, we're moving, we're willing to move past the, uh, the, the intimidation in order to feel the pride, right? Um, so that's, that's the feeling I always come back to whenever I see a man cross the threshold and a look in his eyes. He looks like Simba after defeating Scar, knowing he's identified what his purpose in the world is. Not everything's laid out for him. There might be something in the jungle to take care of that is out of his control and will happen. But he's come back kind of knowing what his purpose is in the world and knowing what he's made of and what he's capable of bringing to that purpose. Yeah, I mean, for me, so much comes up in that. So I appreciate the depth as to what you just related everything in that rites of passage to just some tangible, relatable experiences. I think like Anwar was testing, I haven't seen 300, but I've seen Lion King. And there were feelings that came through for me in those experiences, which is, I think the one of the missing links, like you said, like we're not paying attention to the feeling necessarily. We're trying to almost logic our way through the process and make it make sense uh, rather than diving into the body, seeing what the body's messages have to say. Um, something that came up for me as you were describing this experience is I can hear the question somewhere in the distance of why would I need it? I'm already a man. And, you know, I think that their society has created a generic terminology of like, once you step into manhood is when you, I don't know, get your license or you are able to drink or you are of, I don't know, maybe 25 years old. Like there's, there's generally 
people have an idea of, you know, I'm a man now, and maybe their family's given that to them already. And I don't necessarily think that what you're doing, if I heard you right, is um, necessarily directly at boyhood to manhood, but I do think it's a big point of it. Um, I think what I'm curious about to maybe help the audience is what is this for? What, why exactly would I come into this four-day rite of passage? What would be the, the calling that I would have to be aware of or be conscious of in order to feel like, oh, maybe rite of passage is for me? What would that answer be? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and that's something I think Boy and I both have reflected on. You know, when we say the word boy or we say transition boys to men, um, it's, it can be an insult. You know, I've done, uh, I've, side note, I've also done a lot of marketing in the men's, men's space and for other coaches. And one thing I realized is like the, the, the worst thing you could do to, um, uh, you know, to, to, to enroll men in your vision and in this, specifically the healing work and all the work that we're doing is start off by insulting them. Like, hey, I do rites of passages and I help boys transition to men. And right off the bat, you're calling men boys, right? But I think it's important to, um, and all of us have gone through different rites of passages throughout our lives that have moved us towards manhood. I mean, I'm not a father. Right, and there might be fathers out there who haven't gone through a four-day vision quest um, or a four-day vision fast, and and done our type of rite of passage of that transition, but who are men in their own right because they they, they might just be men in their own right because uh, they've had a child. You know, having a child, a firstborn child, that's a rite of passage. Breaking, having heartbreak, going through heartbreak, that's a rite of passage. All these things have helped us through our, our lives become men. But I think every man truly knows, regardless of the age, right, truly knows that it's not the, the, uh, the age that makes you a man. It's the experiences and the wisdom that you incorporate throughout the journey, right? So the rite of passage, I mean, Voy and I kind of, um, we talk about boy to man, but more about boy psyche, to men, and then in the language, I mean, because we're having this platform to speak for two hours and dive into the context a little bit more, we're diving into it. But in general, we avoid saying those words. What we really focus on is we're transitioning from one stage of our lives into one that has um, a deeper understanding of our truth and understanding of what we're made of. Now, since we are diving into the context, one thing I will say is that um, boy to man really means creating a break in our psyche that allows us to go from selfish, um, self-serving uh, boys and men's bodies, right? One of our teachers likes to say there's a traffic jam in adolescence that's created when there's no rites of passages that traps boys and men's bodies for generations. So the reality is that when we look at men doing harm to themselves, men doing harm to the communities, the old paradigms of masculinity, men doing harm to the planet. It usually comes from this boy mentality and selfish desire of give me my toy or now that I have the money, I'm going to buy all the toys or, you know, all these different things that we need to really like create the space to break in order for the boy to come alongside with us on the passenger side seat, but not drive while in the trunk, drive while the boy's in the trunk, avoiding him, or allow him to take the wheel. You know, so uh, I love that you asked that question because it gives me perspective on how we could better articulate um, 
how a rite of passage is relevant to anyone. And the last, last piece I'll say is one of our dear friends and the man that we look up to, and then you guys probably look up to as well um, in the men's space, won't say his name, but he fasted alongside with us, right? And this is a man that I look up to as someone who's been initiated time and time again. I look up to him as someone who can guide me on how to be a man. But he fasted along with us, and he was just transitioning one stage of his journey into the next and becoming an actual bio, you know, biological father. So I, I always use that example because it's, you can always do another rite of passage, and it's never too late to do one like this, to break some part of our psyche, which is always on that journey of being uh, transformed. Well said. Uh, and I appreciate that description because I think what I heard most importantly out of all of that is that there's not necessarily uh, a necessity f for it at a specific time or essentially it it's available to you at all times to step into new aspects of your life. It is that bridge for any time, whether it's into fatherhood or it's into uh, a completely different intention or purpose for your life, or it can also be utilized to step into uh, a different form of man and step out of boy psyche into man psyche. I actually really appreciate personally the boy to man language because it has always resonated with me and it also calls me forward like nothing else. When I say, when I realize, oh, that's a, that's a little boy behavior right there. It's like, okay, what's the man behavior here? You know, like it, it actually helps me a lot, but I definitely appreciate the, um, the removal of it in most ways because it's not a f meant to be offensive whatsoever it's really just more to bring us to the awareness of where we are thinking and how we are thinking so i really appreciate that boy i wasn't sure if there's anything you wanted to add on to his explanation i think he he said it so beautifully that i maybe have just one little one little piece like uh anwar said before a little dessert to add to this because he just laid out the whole meal and it's tasting really good right now uh, with that, I think it's, a, it's also a beautiful opportunity for men really to find their edge and continue pushing towards their edge. I think I'll speak for myself. There's this part of me that tends to come up during cycles and seasons where I just want to know how far I can go. I just want to know how much more can I explore. And I want to know what else is down there. When I speak of down there, the whole, more of my truth, more of my being, more of my expression. And there's this um, analogy that one of our mentors uses, and he speaks to it using the analogy of this spe specific breed of hawks. And as the hawk is born, this baby hawk, it starts to fly up, and it flies as high as it can, as much as it can. And it goes to the top, and it goes so high that it loses oxygen, it passes out, and it starts falling towards the ground. Literally right before it's about to hit the ground, it wakes up again, and shoots up back into the sky and tries it again. And what the baby hawk is doing is it's literally finding its edge of growth so that it knows where the discomfort's at without pushing over the edge and causing some kind of harm or whatever the case is. So I, I feel that in addition to what Jose said, a rite of passage helps us really build the capacity to hold more and also find our edge so we can bring that into every aspect of our life, whether life, business, relationship, fatherhood, whatever. The capacity is there. Now we can hold more. And we've done that by really understanding ourselves and being welcomed as this new person into community, into brotherhood, men who understand. Because that's the long mentality is thinking that they won't understand and we do.
and that shit hits different. Desserts tasting good too. I ain't gonna lie. Desserts tasting real good. <laughs> we all love a good um, dessert, don't we? <laughs> We're getting two meals. My sweet, my sweet tooth is very, very satisfied. I think that's something that you guys both kind of attested to as well. Like, obviously, there's a lot of humility in some of this work, right? There's a lot of understanding that we as human beings, we as we don't know everything. You know, uh, you know, if you're you're offended by the word boy, or you're offended by, you know, some of that could feel very scar esque. You know, like you're you're kind of acting like scar right now, right? Like you're you're getting offended by words that you know. It's not really meant like that, but something that both of you guys kind of kind of attested to there is, I think you said maybe Vision Quest one time as well, you said. Um, I think that really what this work really invites you to do um, is just because you have a title doesn't mean you are that person, right? Just because how many people, how, we've had bosses that you carry a good title, but you're not really the title, you know? And I think that sometimes we kind of become men by titles, but not by practice, you know? And I think that what we're really learning here is that you can go deeper into understanding your title and nobody is too good for going back to grade one or going back to grade two or going back to grade three, you know? And by being invited there, all you're going to do is by going through high school again for the menhood space you're just going to really understand your title that much more. Um, and it's easy to teach curriculum when you know you've gone through it many times. You really know it really well, which is speaking to the voice capacity part of the conversation, right? It's like when you know something so deeply, it makes it easier to hold space for things. I'm not so thrown off by that conversation. I've done this over many times before versus I know by title I should have the answer to this question. I've never actually done it in practice. And now the pressure of life is coming at me and I'm supposed to be a man, but I've never explored this for real. And then that's where all the real panic comes in, right? It's because you've never really done that. You never really, you don't really have your own anchoring in what you're doing or anchoring in your own title. So um, that was kind of my reflection on kind of what both of you guys have said. I hope that kind of ties it, ties, ties it together. And uh, um, I hope I explained some of the ingredients uh, in the dishes that you guys placed together uh, well. Um, but yeah, that's my takeaway for sure. If I, if I could just add uh, to what you said, Anwar, um, I love that, uh, you know, you mentioned like em- pretty much embodiment is a conversation here about embodying your title, right? And with that, uh, I think uh, as men, we think that uh, we have this expectation that it's either, um, you know, that we, we've, I know for myself, perfection, right? Like I, I've got to have it all like aligned with the thing that I'm saying, and then sometimes that leads me to um, being dishonest, you, you know, even to the point where we can say, I am this or make some story up in order to feel like that title is aligned. A big part of Rites of Passages is knowing, I mean, like voice said, your edge, which means ownership. You know, like um, I was on a podcast the other day where they asked me about integrity, right? And I've got integrity tattooed here. I got it tattooed before I redefined what integrity meant to me. I got it tattooed as keeping your word, like, and I was so committed to that being the definition that, um, you know, later I realized it was, it was actually like being in alignment with my truth, right? And what I shared was, I'll tell you one thing about integrity, we're never 100% in integrity, and it's not a fucking mastery, it's a practice. And I think that's the key to like, 
I rather embody what I'm honest with than pretend that I embody something that I don't. Um, and I think I respect any man, uh, especially after that threshold. Like, fuck, while I was out there, I had a really tough time. And this part of my journey was not easy. Even though the guy that spoke before him said this part of the journey was easy for me. There's like this understanding of like, this is what I own as my edge. And now I know what I've got to do in my life to raise my standard around those areas if it's an area that I want to raise the standard on. So I just want to share that like with the, con the, the context of, you know, owning our title, but owning, owning that title with an understanding of our limitations. Um, because how often has men, uh, have, have, has men lying about uh, or, or overextending themselves actually caused harm? to everyone that they were meant to serve, right? We see it all the time. Men taking on more than they can handle or trying to do it on their own or lying and deceiving people uh, in order to make profit and not actually serve on what they say they can serve. Um, so just want to share that piece because that was beautifully said, Anwar. And you speak directly to action, speak louder than words. Right? Like the embodiment really allows us to come through with that. Uh, I was just speaking to a client and that was one of the biggest challenges in their relationship was that there was a lot of speaking about who I want to be and what I'm going to do and who I'm going to become, but the action didn't follow. So it kind of broke the trust of the relationship. But what I mirrored back to the specific client was that he was breaking his own trust with himself. And so it was more of a difficult to fall back in integrity with that experience. And yeah, embodiment um, is is everything, at least that's what I've learned um, personally, is that if I'm not embodying what I'm saying, um, then I don't feel good about what I'm saying anymore. Like it starts to cause resistance in my body, resistance in the communication. Uh, I'm no longer present with the person because I'm more worried about, did I just create the right answer to make it seem like I am doing said thing? Uh, so I really appreciate that breakdown. And I think that what I've gathered about you two, one of the reasons why we got brought you on is because of the fact that we do deeply feel that you embody the work that you do. And, you know, I know sometimes that social media is a beautiful gateway into people's lives, but I don't think that you're only ever showing the uh, perfectly pictured side of your business and also your lives. Right? You show the rawness, you share the truths, you share your experience and the challenges that you have. And for me, that says embodiment because it's willing to go to both sides of the equation in order to be um, self-understood and also understood by others, be witnessed in that experience. So. I really appreciate that. It's one of the reasons we brought you guys on. And something that I want to get to in this conversation um, that's brought me, um, it's actually something I aspire to hopefully facilitate one day. Um, both of you in your bios, you talk about somatics and you talk about trauma work. And I think I've spoken to a lot of people and there's a, the belief that there isn't really trauma that they've experienced. So why take part in experiences like this? Why um, do intense somatic breath work to um, release things that I don't feel, I feel like I have in my life? And we posted a video a decent while ago about, it was just a clip and it was this man, this big, big, bald, tattooed all over his body, man. Like just a, just a man, right? And he was being held by other men and he was just, in many people's eyes, he was just screaming, right? Just letting out his anger. He was, it looked like 300, 
truthfully, in like real raw human form, the movie 300. And we got some feedback on that video. And obviously it wasn't ours. I think it was Sacred Sons. And we got some pretty big feedback. And there was a lot of disagreeance, a lot of confusion, mostly. And a lot of like, what's wrong with him? Like, who does that? That's such a ridiculous thing. Like, can't you do something different? Why can't you just release it in, in quote unquote healthier ways? There was a, a lot of feedback. And then time passed and I noticed that Jose, you did similar experience where you held space for your father to also release in that ways. And I'm not quite sure exactly if you did or not, but the reason I'm correlating it is because um, trauma, somatic breath work um, are physical body releases. And I think what I'm really trying to understand or help the audience understand more importantly is what is happening here in these videos, right? What is going on? What are people witnessing? And why are these videos becoming more popular? Why are, why are people seeing this more frequently nowadays? Yeah, great question, man. Great question. And thank you for bringing the term of, of somatics to trauma. And I think for the longest time in society, we, we would tend to look at more of the mind, right? The Carl Jung's and Erickson's, it was all focused on pretty much talk therapy, which is focusing mainly solely on the mind. And this new breakthrough personal development, which is now called personal transformation, is actually understanding that there's a lot more to this vehicle than just the head and the mind. There's this whole body. And the body, as I've heard you heard this saying, is what keeps the score. Right? Energetically, we keep a lot of the energy within here that then likes to influence how we think, how we process, how we move, how we express. And with regards to these videos that we're seeing, where a lot of people may sometimes feel confusion, that's okay. It's just part of this journey that we're now stepping into. Because a part of the human condition is, if I don't understand something, typically I don't like it, or there's a fear behind it. So I'm going to just push it away, right? And whenever there's something new being crossed a threshold or being ushered in, people are going to experience that. And that's okay because they see themselves in that experience and they know there's something there for them underneath it all. And what we're witnessing through these, whether it's breathwork or these big trauma releases, is essentially the body finally allowing itself to cycle whatever energy is within and express it out. Because the body creates healing through circulation. So if you can think about like a circle, when we feel energy rise, I'll speak for myself as a man, I didn't have the tools, the connection with my body, so I would push it down. So this energy would just keep getting stored in my body. And then I'm driving down the street and a guy cuts me off and I'm out here screaming in the car, flipping him off because all this energy is coming out, right? And that's what is considered nowadays toxic masculinity when a man, who doesn't have the tools on how to express what's already innate, what's human, does it in an unsafe way, it's called toxic. And it's just a man that perhaps doesn't have tools to experience and honor and take ownership of what's natural, naturally happening. So these tools like breath work and these big experiences are opening up the body and finally completing that cycle so that individual can feel free in the mind and the body and then start to recalibrate back to a new truth that his nervous system can be calmed. So long story short, hopefully that answers your question in a, in a big 
uh, in a new perspective and would love to pass it to Jose too, if you have anything to share on that. Yeah, I think, I think you explained it beautifully. And I love uh, the piece. I mean, you explained the, the somatics and the releasing in such a beautiful way. I don't, I don't even want to add anything to that. I just want to highlight the part where you said, like, that's okay. You know, people respond in that way. That's okay. I can't tell you how many times Voy and I were at a retreat, uh, leading a retreat, and uh, we were, let's say, do, about to do an anger release uh, exercise right and a couple guys say well, I don't have any anger I don't know what, I, what I'm gonna release right well we usually say if you gotta wait for something to make you angry then this exercise is beautiful opportunity for you to explore right and usually those guys will be the ones that release the most anger because there's, there's likely some shame around being angry um, you know, let's not release it in that way. That's a perfect example of like, oh, why can you journal instead? That's a beautiful resource. And um, I want to come back to trauma, right? Not every, not all trauma. I think that word is loaded, and and you know, it's it's used, it's been used in so many ways to describe capital T like really intense situations in our lives that some experience and some don't right uh and really trauma is is something happening too quick too uh too much too fast it's just an overwhelm on our system but trauma is also you know our parents not uh you know maybe a parent not giving us uh, not comforting us when we uh, you know felt sad not allowing us to express a certain emotion um not allowing us to speak our truth. You know, that's something I navigated throughout my life. And I won't say that that was one moment that was a very traumatic experience, but there was these little moments that created experiences in my body and in my mind. So one way to explain trauma and throw out that word and really just explain to men, all of us have experienced things and all of us have experienced things at different ranges. You know, they weren't all good, especially when those experiences happened when we were, um, you know, children and early stages of our development and childhood. A lot of those little experiences, back to what voice said, I won't even dive deeper into that, get stored in our body, get stored in our mind. So I'll give you an example of, uh, you know, how I've seen it impact me. Throughout my life, like I said, I renegotiated my truth in order to keep the peace, right? That created an experience that was repeated over and over and over again, and a memory that is not only in my mind, but like voice said, is in my body. So whenever there's an opportunity for me to speak my truth, aka have a difficult conversation that will take my business to the next level, my body responds with the memory of that experience of if I speak my truth, I might get slapped or I might get be told to shut up. So then I start shying away from having difficult conversations that can actually take my business to the next level. And I see this all the time, right? So we don't want to use the word trauma. Great. Men, we all have experiences that influence and impact the things that we are navigating in our lives in the present moment. It's never the occurring event. And something like that, that, that video is just a, a representation of a man who, by the way, I won't say his name. He's a very popular tattoo artist that a lot of people respect and look up to 
who happened to be at that event, and no one would question, you know, over a million followers, everybody would think of him as a leader, he's a great artist, and he was, a, he was willing to go to those depths in order to release those experiences that might be impacting his intimate relationship or his relationship with his parents. I'm projecting here, but it's not all what it seems like on the surface. It's easy for us to keep it together and say, I'm a great entrepreneur and look how much money I've made, look how much women I've been with, but those previous experiences might be impacting the level of our intimacy. They might be the depth of our intimacy, the way that um, we, we rest or give ourselves space to rejuvenate and not burn out by focusing on material things. There's so many ways that these traumas show up. Um, so just sharing that because really honoring that man and not every experience has to be like that, which is the last thing I'll say is a big piece with MRM. We do do exercises that way, but we do believe that in order to heal those parts of ourselves and go through personal transformation, I love that, that word, boy, um, we don't have to be in a dungeon having a cathartic experience in order to heal you know, there's different stages to it. It's, it's not something I was ready for, and it could actually be very traumatizing to do something like that right off the bat. You know, there's there's a journey of healing. You know, Simba couldn't couldn't fight Scar until he was willing to go through the hyenas and like test his edge in that area first. So, so I want to share that because uh, I think it's important that not everyone is ready or needs to go through an experience like that. I sit here and just kind of take in everything you guys said. I think that there's um, what I love about podcasts sometimes is, yeah, we're, we're kind of facilitating our conversation, but you do get lost in the truth of the conversation a little bit, you know, and um, I definitely found myself kind of just kind of lost in your story there a little bit, lost in your, in your share, lost in voice share, because it is very to the point of the body keeping score. Right. And the example you gave, by the way, boy, wildly on point, right? Like, as men, sometimes we're so okay with this flipping somebody off and letting that emotion come out in these arenas that are, you know, I play sports, right? So in sports, it feels so cool. It's, it feels all good to get that shit out, right? Yelling at a ref, yelling at a fan, like dealing with the dealing with those emotions that you're talking about, the body keeping score. How many times, like, you know, there's a lot of times we don't correlate like you losing your shit over a bad call with like trauma that you're dealing with, you know what I mean? Or things that you're like, like hiding, but you're getting it out in these games and you're losing your shit. And, um, and if you were to deal with that, you, you would realize that, Oh, maybe that call doesn't bother me that much, you know, or that then. And I think that like what the work is trying to tell you is that, you know, sure we can get away from some of these words that, you know, I guess, you know, I call it the turtle shell where, you know, you go back in your turtle shell, like, nah, I'm not dealing with that or nah, boy to men, I don't do that. Um, instead of getting so caught up in the wor- the words, it's, you're right. We all have experiences that we've gone through in life and some of them didn't compute the way it was supposed to compute, but you continue to push forward, right? Like your hard drive is running on a system that wasn't computed correctly and it's affecting your output, right? It's affecting the way that computer runs, um, but if we go back and we recalibrate that part, you could actually get a better output because you're you're dealing with it at the source. And like for me, and we're so good at getting used to things too, right? So like for me, one of the things that I struggled with is 
being supported because I wasn't supported. So I got really used to not being supported. So asking for help and all those kind of things, like to me, if like someone wants to help me, it's kind of like a sure if you want, but I'm good, you know, because that's how it's always been for me, you know? And so when people try to insert themselves in my life and want to be a bit more supportive and helpful, like I find it hard to receive because my makeup is built to not have it. So I'm so good at just, let me just do it my way, you know? Let me just organize it like this. And it makes it harder for people to want to come in and, and try to find a way to support me because they don't know how to get in because I've created this wall. And that started at like a really young age. That started at like, oh, my parents are here at my, my sporting events. Oh, people must not care, you know? All right, whatever. I'll cheer for myself, you know? And to, to your point about, you know, little T's adding up, it's like, sure, your parents aren't in the crowd. They're not there to watch. That in that moment could feel like, yeah, they're busy, right? And then you and then you have a whole entire basketball career. They've never shown up to any of those games because to them, from where they come from, it's just a sport. This is not like we came from survival, right? Like you're playing a game. I don't understand why this is so big, such a big deal to you, right? So there's even a communication gap there, right? But them not showing up there leads to me not getting support in later in life. And it's just, oh yeah, there's always never been anyone around. It's cool, man. I do this myself. I do this myself. I do this myself. And then you're, and then that's me operating on a, a shitty hard drive, <laughs> you know, a really shitty hard drive that probably needs to be rewired, you know, because um, I'm just going to keep projecting into this lone wolf mentality, right? Where um, if you understand where it comes from, you're able to kind of honor it and, and, and reprocess it. So, um, I wanted to add that share just because I think we do sometimes try to man up the whole situation a little bit too much, you know, and we try to just head down, get through it. And I know that that works in the physical world. Um, but if you can really understand that the body keeps score and that you are the only person that can check the score, you can see a lot of change. I just want to say, uh, my fiance said a quote the other day. Or, or she says something to one of her clients. So I want to give her credit because I thought it was brilliant. They asked her, what, what is the inner work? And she said, it's the shit you can't Google. <laughs> right? And, like, to, to your point, Anwar, it's like only you can check that score. Right? The inner work, the, uh, the healing. The inner work, the healing is really um, the shit we can't Google. There's no strategy to it. We got to go deep and, and heal it. You know, and I love that you keep bringing back uh, sports because let's bring it to practicality. You know, I, I practicality and practical stats have helped me really understand things on a deeper level. There are studies that show that what separates high performers from anyone else, specifically in sports and leadership that has a similar position to what they do by 90 percent. So 90 percent more success is emotional intelligence, right? So in playing sports, yes, you know, you have to work out your body to perform better. But I guarantee you, you know, what, what separates you from, from being able to work out your body and show up even after a loss, even though you worked on your body, it's going to be the mindset and the emotional intelligence. And what Voice said beautifully is that emotional intelligence isn't just mindset. It's emotions are stored in the body. So... You know, for anybody that wants to level up and perform at a higher uh, level anywhere in their lives, the inner work is the thing that will be reflected the most in everything that we do uh, in all other areas. 
but you can't Google it. Yeah, I love that. And I'll just add to emotional intelligence since you opened up this pan, this box, Jose. We'd love to just drop this in and, and break it down so that listeners can have an understanding of the three different stages and how to continuously step into different levels of your emotional, quote unquote, intelligence. And the first stage that we typically look at is emotional awareness, right? It's like, there's something happening here and there's probably like a million things happening here, but I'm not really sure what's happening here. So I'm just going to let it be. And it feels uncomfortable. I'm just going to distract myself by smoking some weed, drinking, whatever somebody does to not experience the emotion. Right? Then the second stage is emotional intelligence, where we know that the body is moving. There's emotion stored in here, from shame, guilt, fear, sadness, joy, sex, uh, joy, love. We feel it here and we're curious about it. So we want to understand it and explore it so we can feel more freedom in our body and ultimately heal. And then the last and final stage is emotional fitness. Right? It's knowing that there's emotions. It's now building the connection with our body and our mind so we can understand what goes up and down this highway. And now having the tools and the training to continuously sharpen, right? I think, Jose, you said mastery, and I love that. To me, I think mastery is its a journey. It's not a destination. So stepping into these tools and fitness and training of our mind and body, it's a never-ending journey, and that's what makes it exciting. And one last thing I'll share, too, about emotions and capacity and men stepping into that. There's a beautiful quote by, I think, Joseph Campbell, and he said that every, every emotion experienced to the fullest is bliss. And I feel from my perspective, from my own journey, because I didn't have that intelligence or the awareness or the tools to experience my own emotions and what was happening in my body, I felt like I didn't have depth in my life. And for us to truly experience life to the max, it's not just anger and happiness. It's anger, happiness, and everything else, the whole fucking plate of food in between that gives us experience gives us wisdom and allows us to truly live so just wanted to invite that perspective on emotions emotional intelligence uh, because i'll speak for myself that was a big key to really having a more rich life that i now get to live get the pen and paper out write it down write it down write it down we're in a class ladies and gentlemen we're in a class Got a question coming in hot. Um, shift gears a little bit. What is the biggest challenge you see with men um, in the work that you do today? Like when you guys are in these workshops, when you're in the thick of things, you're facilitating. This would probably be you know things that come up in your your guys's meetings with each other and figuring out how to you know find solution, find tools. What are some of the problems and challenges um, that you come across on a more regular basis? Um, in the work that you guys do and facilitate. Yeah, I can I can kick it off with this one. Great question. And I'll start with, with one of the things I've recently been just bringing some thought to. And there's there's a multitude of things, and now I'll let Jose jump in as well and share his, his piece because he has his gems also. I think one of the things I've been seeing in this space is that there's a misconception around support. And I understand the lone wolf mentality. However, I feel like when a lot of men think about support, it automatically goes to like the negative. Like a man is down, so we have to help him back up. And like, oh, 
you know, I'm a high performer. I'm doing well. I'm killing it. Why would I want to be in a group where there's guys I have to pick up? And I think that's a big misconception. That piece is there, yes. And there's also the side of support of celebrating a man who's fucking killing it, right? Who support so we can support him in that, so he can keep going up and up. Because as he goes up, we all go up. And that's the power of support and brotherhood. The second one that I've also noticed is that men just don't know how to ask for support. That's something I had trouble with. Like, how do I even, I just got a hammer and a nail and like, I never used this before. I have no clue how to build a home right now. Like, what do you mean? And I'm trying to juggle these things because I just don't even know right, how to do it. And I think the last one with regards to support, and Anwar, you said this beautifully, bro, and you brought into the space, is that a lot of men just don't know how to receive it. And I myself still till this day, when support is offered, I have to check myself and breathe because my body sometimes just closes up and it's like, ah, yeah, thank you. I got it. But right. The butt comes in and I try to get out of the situation. So I literally sometimes have to open up my heart, put my hands behind my back, take a couple of breaths and say like, nah, it's all good. I can receive the support. I deserve it. And why not step into this next evolution with more ease than thinking I got to carry this book bag alone? Just don't. And at the end of the day, we're all just walking each other home. So why not do it with style? Why not do it in brotherhood? And why not do it with fun so we can reach that peak together? Powerful. Uh, love that you brought that up, boy. Support, because it really all boils down to that. You know, uh, um, I could resonate with all those stages of support from like up resonating with the word um, or not resonating to, uh, you know, asking for it to receiving. And what comes up is, uh, you know, when I think of coaches in athletics, right, let's think of like Michael Jordan in basketball, right? He didn't wait to hire a coach. Um, you know, uh, when he was when he was doing poorly in a season, or he you know sprained his ankle, or had the flu, or uh, you know he had a coach throughout the entire journey. Especially when he was crushing it, game six, about to you know win another another uh, a ring. So um, for me, it's like support. You know, another stat, bringing it back to practicality, men who. Uh, share their goals with others and uh, allow themselves to have uh, almost like an accountability buddy, right? Uh, perform, 70, experience six, 72% more success or 76. I forget the exact, same, the exact stat, right? Even if you're crushing it and you're on top and you feel like there's no support using the context of the word that Void beautifully said many men do associate uh, with, I think any man would take those stats of 76% more success. And that's in all areas of life. Relationship, that's in, um, you know, business, that's in everything. So, um, you know, with that being said, like support, imagine being supported when you're at your highest point, you know, how how good does it feel to be empowered you know which is why that's a word that i like to use often as well but to go back to what i see you know my thought around uh what i see the most uh, the thing that men struggle with the most 
I think uh, tying it into just the climate in society, in, in, in the culture right now around masculinity and like the dangers of like owning your power. You know, I, I have a, a trip to the Amazon coming up where I'm bringing men to connect to their inner nature and reclaim their inner wild. Because we've been thought to believe that if we own our power and express our truth, we will hurt someone, right? And I felt the same way. Like I've, I've hurt people in the past because I expressed my power and my truth, or at least what I thought was my power, my truth, but it was not integrated, right? And I also have had shame around parts of me that I've wanted to express in healthy ways, or at least uh, was inspired to express, but had shame over those parts because of how I saw other men, either my family and my community express and hurt others, right? So one thing I've seen is like men feeling, being scared of being understood or accepted and feeling like if they own their power, they, uh, they will hurt someone, right? Or they will take up too much space. And the truth is, we need men in the world who own their power and do so um, in a way that is of service to everyone. I think using our power in order to, to get what we want and hurt others, that's a different thing. Um, but that's the, biggest, that's the biggest thing I've seen. Maybe it's a reflection of just my own journey, you know, of how often I've had shame over owning my power and expressing my truth um, and doing so in a way that that feels in integrity with who I want to be. Well said. So well said. And I think it kind of wraps around everything beautifully in the sense of, uh, at least for me, I heard all of that was relatable. Like all of that struck chord with me. I felt like I was able to resonate with all of it. So I appreciate you guys sharing that because I think that there's sometimes some missing context of like you need to be in a specific place or way in order to be ready for this work or even just to think about taking it or being a part of it. So I appreciate you guys sharing what you've noticed so far through the journey. And we only have a few more questions left. So I'll finish before Anwar kind of wraps it all up. Um, but there was something that came to me. I'm actually going to switch my question. Um, a lot, I think I've heard this a lot, uh, or at least online, you know, the digital world is a wild one, where um, there's this narrative that as we start to engage with understanding our emotions and not necessarily always fighting through and pushing through things, um, that we're almost birthing an era of soft men. Right, this idea of like the soft man is now being present. We're no longer men anymore. Where'd all the real men go? And that obviously is coming off the back of the nice guy paradigm that lasted for quite some time. And I would fell victim to that as well. I'm still working through some of those experiences. And so I think where my question really wanted to go was, what is it that you see happening in regards to this? Because I don't agree. I don't think we're creating soft men, but I think the visually it feels that way. What would you guys say to that narrative? Do you believe that we're creating, um, you know, softer men? Do you believe that we're, well, I imagine you would probably imagine we're creating stronger men, but it just doesn't look that way anymore. The appeal or the visual representation is different. What's your guys' take on this narrative around, uh, you know, birthing soft men through this work? Yeah, so I love that. I love that question. Um, you know, uh, without, without saying names of leaders in here that, that are kind of leading those movements, um, uh, you know, outside of the space, but leading those movements, not saying, sharing the names in this container. Um, I think there's a there's an underlying truth, right? There's an underlying truth that is being uh, 
uh, harped into and kind of used as a way to um, to uh, take advantage of men's insecurities, right? So when I spoke about men being afraid of owning their power and expressing their truth, it's a pendulum swing. It's a trauma response. It's a reaction to all the paradigms, uh, the, the, the paradigm that we've seen throughout history that has created harm in, in our families, in society, in the world, right? So as a response, it's kind of like independence is usually a response to being so dependent. But at some point, we got to realize that we can't do it alone, right? That, that's the lone wolf. There's interdependence. That's the next level after that. It's co-creating with our communities. The same thing's happening with this concept of soft men. I do think that there's been a trauma response, right? Where the nice guy paradigm, you mentioned that, you know, that's, some, that's, that's actually one of the first men's groups I went to, No More Mr. Nice Guy, right? If you haven't read that book, highly recommend. And uh, that does not mean that we are solving the problem there, right? Uh, by, by going in that direction. Um, because uh, we, we, we lose the tools to be men of service that step into our roles as uh, providers to our communities when we release our power in that way. So I say all that to say that there's movements out there and there's voices out there that say we've got, uh, we've got a, a society full of soft men now. And the response, the, 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 res the, the reaction seems to be going back to the old paradigm when there's actually a new way to be that's neither soft but not not a not a danger to our society either and avoid uses this quote a lot one of our dear brothers Trevor Boehm says be dangerous but not a danger right because if we're not dangerous and we don't allow ourselves to cultivate strength of not only our bodies that's the other thing i think when we say soft oftentimes we think like exerting our power or dominance in whatever uh you know in the old ways that we've seen but like being strong of mind of body of heart emotion no intelligence coming back to that we we uh you know if we don't strengthen those parts of ourselves then you know we we are weak men Right, and if and and it, it, if we uh, harp on those parts of ourselves for in an unintegrated way, where it's for our own individualized purpose, that's where we go into the old paradigm. So this is like a baby out with the bathwater conversation of just because men have cultivated strength of body or mind, doesn't mean that. Um, the, and, and created harm doesn't mean that we have to create men who aren't strong in those areas. We actually have to figure out ways to integrate those strengths to be of service rather than of, of harm. Hopefully that makes some sense. Yeah, it definitely makes some sense. And I know I threw you guys I, for a loop there. Um, I'd love to know a little bit more, Voy, about what, uh, what maybe your thoughts or any additions you would say. I can imagine working so closely together and when I experience this, we have, tend to have very similar perspectives on the things that come our way. Uh, one of the reasons why we got together in this first place. But um, I'd love to know if you have anything to add. I think that was beautifully said, man. Beautifully said. And I think there's an opportunity that I always come back to with a quote. And I'll just share this quote and how I look at this next paradigm that we're stepping into. 
And the things that we're experiencing as men is just, it's a human thing. It's not man or woman, it's both. And I think us accepting that is going to create a lot more freedom and looking at it from a perspective of training, something that we get to constantly master so we can show up better in the world. And one quote that I like to, like I said, put it together is, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Right? And having command over my emotions is a tool that I get to sharpen and master so that when life or business or relationship is ready to go to war with me, I know how to swing my sword from a place of truth and trust as opposed to swinging it with my eyes closed, fearing that it's not going to work. And I think this work and this opportunity that we're stepping into is building a closer relationship to who we are so that we can operate, as Jose said beautifully, in service and to trust that we're on the right path, doing the right thing, whatever that looks like for us. So just wanted to throw that in. I think Jose said it beautifully. And uh, sprinkle some dessert. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, uh, I'm actually, the whole time Jose was talking, that quote was on my mind because that's a quote that we're, we're passionate about here on the podcast. And it's actually become how I describe what I do. You know, a lot of people have asked me, like, what is the point of your podcast? What is the point of your podcast? And I found it, although there's a lot of reasons why, you know, the whole like elevator pitch, like, what's my elevator pitch? You know, someone says, yo, what's your podcast about? I'm like, damn, I can't get this out fast enough. Like, what's going on? And um, that quote came, you know, Kyle had mentioned that quote to me like way back. And I'm like, that's it, dude. That's that's the quote, you know, and so I was ready to kind of go back and say that and then use chipped in and said the exact same quote, which makes me feel better that other people heard it from a different voice from a different source, because why I feel like it's the easiest way for me to describe this podcast in that way is I can do it's two tiered. I can do it both ways. Right. It's like I'd rather be a warrior in a garden, not a gardener in the war to me speaks to like for me. It's about finding my warrior. I've been a gardener my whole life. You know, I chose that route. I chose to stay away from this overexerting type of expression of being a man and, you know, being like the, that warrior. I kind of have to, I, to me, this whole work is about finding my fighting spirit, not fighting the nice guy. I'm wired that way. I'm wired to be like that. That's how I've conditioned myself. For some people, it's the other way. For some people, they've been a warrior their whole life. They've never tuned into empathetic listening, emotional intelligence, all these other things. And what I say the platform allows to do is to, one, create the self-awareness of what side of the paradigm you're on, work on the opposite side. And then what you know, Jose has beautifully said is that it's not this or that. It's this new thing. We're going after a new thing, right? And I think that what our arena is trying to do is is help gardeners become warriors and help warriors become gardeners. And then let's go fight this new war. You know, let's go fight this new, this new task that we have to, to, to go after. So I love that that quote came from you um, because it just adds the, the, the color to how powerful it is. It's the way I describe what we do here on the platform. Um, I'm going to kind of wrap this conversation up with our, with our, with our last question here. Um, I'll phrase it uh, to both of you so you guys can, you know, take turns on who asked it first, but we've got to know your origin story. We've got to learn how you guys are of service. We've got a little bit of insight of like, you know, uh, the bullet points underneath some of these bigger concepts, um, you know, the trauma, the healing, the breath work, um, you know, Simba becoming a man and the rite of passage, a rookie in the NBA, figuring out how to, you know, work through 
getting to become a superstar, right? The steps it takes, you guys are almost creating that environment for a rookie to ascend. Um, if you were on your deathbed, um, metaphorically, and all of your work that you've put into this space was gone, but you were given a notepad and there was three things you could leave on the notepad as a way for us to symbolize everything that you know to be true. What three things would you guys put on that notepad and what would you leave with the rest of us to, to indulge in? Yeah, I can, I can go first with that. Something that's coming up. Powerful question, by the way, bro. Made me feel a little bit emotional as you were saying that of how like important it is to the work that we do. Cause one day that will come and we're going to have that opportunity to reflect back on all the things we've done. And this is an opportunity to continue going after it. It's beautiful. The three things that come up for me that I would write down in this moment, I would like to leave these individuals with feel deeply, act boldly, and express yourself. And those three things speak to me in this moment. And those are the three things I would like to leave whoever reads that note with. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I love this question. Um, for me, immediately what came up was trust your vision, honor your truth. And the last one is, you know, follow your heart. Follow your heart. Like your, your heart really knows it goes down to following the feeling. Sometimes we don't know the answer, but follow your heart, you'll find the way. So trust your vision, honor your truth, follow your heart. Beautifully said, brothers. Thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate it. It's definitely a, a question that asks you to go a little deeper inside of who you are and what you feel you embody and walk through in this life. And so we appreciate you feeling willing and safe to be able to drop in to those spaces in your life and share them with our audience. So we really appreciate it. So that wraps up the podcast, gentlemen. Thank you so much for being here. I want to make sure that you guys are found. So can you uh, give us a brief uh, idea of where everybody can find you? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're on social media, Instagram is our biggest platform. You can find us at the MRM official and if you want to check out our website get a little bit more information you can find this at the mrm official personal ig is boy boy underscore official it's my brother jose to say his so i don't want to mess it yeah. up i don't know if you got some numbers <laughs> r r jose r j o s e underscore alejandro um and like boy said everything could be found on instagram uh just want to add that if you know, this rite of passage thing piqued anyone's interest. Our next one, it's a four-month journey um, with an eight-day wilderness experience and a four-day vision quest uh, or vision fast. Um, and the reason we say quest is uh, fast instead of quest, we want to honor the traditional uh, vision quest lineage and, and uh, process. But uh, we, start, we start in March and we go out to fast in May. So if you guys are curious, we'll be talking about that soon in the coming uh, couple months. But we'll, we already have applications open and would, would be 
more than happy to answer any questions for any man that's interested. And uh, obviously, uh, we'll in, I'm also inviting Kyle and Anwar, if that's a conversation you guys want to explore. Uh, we'd love to, to extend that invitation as well, because um, it's been something that I'll speak for myself, but I've heard Voice say it. Uh, one of the most powerful experiences we've ever had in our lives. And uh, yeah, it's a beautiful one to share that I know you guys will, will incorporate into your work as well. Beautiful, gentlemen. I appreciate that invite. Thank you. I definitely have been interested. It's something that I, I definitely believe both of us will be a part of in the very near future. And watching your stories uh, of being in the Amazon and being in those experiences. It, I don't know if that, this one will be in the Amazon, but just being in those experiences and knowing like the thought of fasting for four days is intimidating, but also like, can I do it? Like there's a little pull and a draw in there as well. So I really like that experience and I definitely think we'll be a part of it. So thank you for that formal invite and we'll tag all of that stuff in the comments or sorry, in the section below so that way everyone can find you. But again, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you so much. For those listening, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast at Modern Masculinity. Remember the C is a K to represent the masks wear as men. You can find us on socials everywhere. Be sure to subscribe and download to our YouTube and these gentlemen will have their lovely faces on there as well. So thanks again for listening and we will see you all in the next episode. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we invite you to join us next week as we put out content every single Wednesday. Our goal with this platform is to create a community to support men on their journey of becoming conscious kings. And in saying so, if you took any value out of this episode or previous episodes, please share, download, subscribe. And if you're feeling really up to it, go ahead and leave a review. You can follow us at Modern Masculinity. Remember, the K, it's with a K, not a C, to represent the mask that we wear. And like always, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week.